And I'm Erica. So, Steve, we just finished up a couple episodes talking about mental health and and suicide. And so I think it's time for us to, not that there isn't more to talk about in those, we might come back because there's plenty to talk about in that area. But um, it feels good and right and proper to to move into a new area. And I'll be honest, I'm I'm, I'm hoping to move into this area partially because I'm going to be preaching on it in this fall. So hopefully I'll get some ideas, uh, maybe some Lutheran help for this poor Methodist (laughs) preacher. Um, but we're going to spend the next several episodes talking about a, a prayer that's really, really common to the church, a prayer that probably all of us have said at some point in our life, the Lord's Prayer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so we want to just talk about, you know, where does that come from? How do we unpack it? What does that mean? Is it a pattern for prayer? Is it something that we're just supposed to recite like we do on Sunday mornings as quickly as possible and move on to the next thing right. in worship? Right. Um, so where do we want to kick things off today? Well, okay. So it seems to me... Maybe we should, for the sake of bringing everybody up to the same speed, uh, because as you say, some folks who are part of the life of the church are probably so familiar with the words that we call the Lord's mm-hmm. Prayer that they almost might uh, be sick of them in like, the way that familiarity breeds contempt. Like, yeah. you know, I know these words, there's nothing to it. I just, I just you know, recite them so we can skip that much quicker to getting home and getting lunch. Um, and there are other folks for whom even... Using the phrase the Lord's Prayer sounds like a bit of churchy jargon. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's first stop for a moment and say, what, what is it that we're talking about? Um, in two of the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew and Luke, um, we get conversations where Jesus is talking with disciples uh, and the subject of praying comes up. Mm-hmm. And in the background, it's either give us a model of how you think we should pray Jesus. I mean, again, people approaching their rabbi. I mean, this is, this is conversation that, that um, makes natural sense in that Jesus, the rabbi, is being approached by his students about how should we be, what should our practice yeah. of prayer look like. Um, and in uh, Matthew's gospel, Jesus is already talking about how to pray or how not to pray. And he says, don't be like a hypocrite and don't, mm-hmm. don't brag and make an attention for yourself. This is a conversation between mm-hmm. you and, and God. Don't make this about yourself. Um, but in that broader subject, then it comes up, okay, let this be your, your prayer. And Jesus doesn't say explicitly, now only recite these words ever, but he also doesn't explicitly say, and by the way, this is just an outline, never recite these words word for word. Mm-hmm. He says, okay, when you pray, like this. Uh, and the words then, uh, if, if you were listening along, you're welcome to recite the words <laughs> along, but the gist is something like, our Father in heaven, or if you want to be fancy about it, our Father who art okay. in heaven, hallowed be thy name, or holy be your name, mm-hmm. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. And then we get into one of the great <laughs> translation questions. Forgive us our sins or debts or trespasses. We'll get into that conversation at some point. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And either a translation that says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, or save us from the time of trial and deliver us from the evil one. We'll have that conversation, preview of coming attractions. (laughs) And ever since the 1600s in the Church of England, the bonus added words, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, and Lutherans would add forever and and ever, ever. just to make sure in case forever runs out, there's forever and (laughs) And ever. 
And then we'll leave. I think it will be worth a conversation about what the word amen means, but we'll, we'll get there in due time. But those are the words we're talking about. Some were clocking in in an English translation between 50 and 60 words. Um, they are words that not only show up in the New Testament, mm-hmm. but in part because of that, and in part because they are words that um, the New Testament attests go back to Jesus himself. Um, have been essential to Christian prayer and thought life in some way or another for 2,000 years, right? Mm-hmm. And in many of our traditions today, uh, it's a part of regular worship life as well as encouraged to be a part of people's individual devotional life as well. Um, so at least I'll attest in uh, Lutheran worship, uh, the Lord's Prayer, uh, some translation of that, is a part of our regular weekly worship life as well as if you were in a community that would have regular daily evening or morning prayer or your own regular daily prayer, it's encouraged to be a part of the regular pattern of daily mm-hmm. worship life as well. My guess is something similar in the Methodist and Wesleyan traditions as well. Yes, and mm-hmm. in my tradition, at least the churches that I've been a part of, typically it comes at the end of what we call the pastoral prayer mm-hmm. um, on most Sundays, unless there's communion, sometimes it comes after communion. Um, but, you know, the pastor prays over the concerns of the church and mm-hmm. then they lead in, in some sort of words that basically say, okay, now we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer yeah. mm-hmm. without quite saying it that yeah. way. Yeah. And um, probably it's fair to say for all the difference and divergence there is across the Christian family tree, not only through time but now in different traditions, denominations, languages, and whatever, um, there are are honestly not a lot of things that all Christians everywhere have in common anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but these words and this pattern is one of the things that is, I would say, virtually ubiquitous. That yeah. Even though, interestingly enough, um, there was never like an ancient church council. Like we've talked when we talked about the, the, the creed and God as Trinity, that there were early church meetings in the first several centuries mm-hmm. trying to hammer out, all right, what do we all believe? What's the right wording? How do we talk about it? And there was never a point at which the church officially had to approve, all right, we all think the Lord's Prayer is okay, all right, let's, all right that sounds good. Um, but it sort of stood there as like a, duh, of course, because these words go back to Jesus yeah. himself. Um, and interestingly, too, even though the church did have to, get, at one point, hammer out, okay, what books are we all going to read? and we, what, what, what are we going to count as our canon? Um, and, and there was that conversation. The, the words that we call the Lord's Prayer, that was never even an in-dispute. There was never a question. That, that This is sort of an essential uh, notion in, in, uh, in Christian life and thinking. And, and maybe as we explore it, we'll discover um, in a lot of ways, these, these words uh, have a lot of roots already in Israel's history, in what we would call the Old Testament or, or the Hebrew Scriptures, that Jesus, in a sense, while this is original to him, doesn't make this up out of whole cloth, but in a sense, Jesus is... Tapping into, oh yeah, that makes sense. If, if you grew up in the tradition of Israel and read the scriptures, this is the kind of way you might picture uh, relating to and praying to God in some way. So there's some place that will go, oh, this idea has roots that stretch back you know, mm-hmm. thousands of years before Jesus too. Um, and we'll have to hash that out too. So that's, that's what we're going to be talking about there. Um, you raised a really interesting point uh, a minute ago, Erica, and that's the question of, how we appropriate these mm-hmm. words and whether uh, we treat them like they are a script, word for word, use these words, mm-hmm. or uh, if it's meant to be more an outline and that you wouldn't uh, treat an outline for um, uh, something else, you, 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 wouldn't, you wouldn't recite other things that are just meant to be outlined mm-hmm. word for word, you treat it like a skeleton that you flesh out with your own... Uh, uh, words uh, yourself, and and 
that there's a different approaches to how we use the Lord's Prayer. Think of it that way. Tell us a little bit about what you're thinking there. So for a lot of um, my ministry career, a lot of my time since being called in the ministry and seminary, I've kind of been under the impression and kind of been taught that this is more supposed to be kind of an outline of how to pray. Okay. Um, you know, there's adoration, there's asking for our daily needs, there's asking for forgiveness, you know, all these different things. So it, it works really well as an outline, mm-hmm. um, kind of for our prayers. Mm-hmm. But then recently I, I, I get a, um, daily devotional sent to my email through Seedbed and, um, JD, who's a friend of mine who writes these devotions has, has said, well, why don't we just use this, just like we do on Sunday mornings as just the script of this is what we pray. And then we go and we do and we act out what we've just prayed. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of messing with my head a little bit lately, mm-hmm. see, because, you know, for so many years now, I've been kind of thinking of this as more of an, an outline okay. of how to pray. But with, with JD's words, it's kind of reintroducing me to this prayer again and saying, you know what, maybe, maybe it is just meant to be, you know, prayed just with mm-hmm. those 50, 60 some odd right. words and, then you then you move on and, and go and live out that prayer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, and, and maybe this is one of those places where we'll discover uh, that the, the polarity ends up being a, a paradox that both are true at the same yeah. time. And that maybe what we need in our lives is from time to time to be kicked in the pants uh, when we get too comfortable with thinking about it only one way or the other. Because mm-hmm. there, are, there are important uh, advantages maybe to, to holding both of those together. Um, and if... We treat it like it's a script. There's the danger of reciting it without thinking about it, and mm-hmm. that this becomes just mere recitation. And the danger once you head down that road is thinking, I'm impressing God with my memorization skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and you treat it as casually or as glibly as any other words that you can recite from memory that you don't think about anymore. On the flip side, um, it would seem that there's the temptation or the possibility, if, if we treat it solely as a script, um, that uh, we get too too concerned or focused on originality. I'm like, I've got to come up with new words when it's mm-hmm. like, maybe this isn't about me having to show to God how my career writing skill. I mean, the, yeah. again, there's the temptation mm-hmm. of bending this toward this is about me when, well, kind of, because I'm the one having a conversation with God, but it's not about, here, God, look how neat I am. Look, I took this pattern and look how I, you know, uh, wove together these brilliant mm-hmm. poetic phrases. Um, sometimes what we need in our lives is when I when the words don't come for me, I need I need a place to begin when uh, when we borrow someone else's word. I mean, we've talked before yeah. uh, when we had a, a conversation just about praying in general that there's a there's a value in borrowing words from sometimes because someone else has been in the same place that we've been, and to say it's okay to use these words and discover yeah that gets it exactly what I was thinking. I don't need to spin my wheels trying to find mm-hmm. other ways to say that's exactly where my heart is at, or maybe more to the point. This isn't where my heart is, but it's where my heart needs to be. Mm. And that's a difficult mm-hmm. piece in our prayer conversation, too. Uh, that sometimes, if my mindset is, I really want a pony, how can I shoehorn that into uh, the Lord's Prayer? And when I get to give daily bread and say, God, well, what I made today is not bread but a pony, uh, then it, it's really sort of twisting. I, I know what I need, and I'm going to tell you, God, when sometimes what we need is the, I, I think I know what I want or what I need, but you know better, God, so I want my heart to be aligned with where you're at, that we sometimes need the actual, mm-hmm. Jesus put it back in your wording rather than my own. So I, 
like you said, Steve, I don't think it's it's one or the other. It's right. a it's a both and kind of thing. And it might just depend on where we are in life and where yeah. we are in a relationship with God. And that might change from day to day. Sure, sure. You know, or even moment to moment. So it you know, it's not saying that, okay, for the next year I'm gonna use the Lord's Prayer as an outline. Yeah. And then the year following I'm just gonna say it and that's gonna be you know right. it might it might be that sometimes the Lord's Prayer then inspires other words that come about and in your conversation with God. And there might be other times where you know, God, I've got nothing else to say. I can't think of anything else, but I know this prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is how I'm going to converse with you today. Yeah. You know, it's funny that, uh, sometimes around our table at our dinner table, or sometimes when in in groups with, with young people, we have an almost ritualized beginning to the conversation where once everybody's around the table, we'll say, okay, tell me a high point, low point in your day kind of thing. You know, Mm -hmm. know, what's been going on in your, in your life the last couple of weeks? Uh, high points and low points. And there's something that's, uh, feels ritual about that, about what we can always know we're going to count on that being the conversation. But if that springboards into a discussion about something else, I don't stop and say, no, we're only talking about your one high point, your Mm -hmm. one low point. No, that's all. No. But when, especially around the dinner table, there's no agenda. It's a, I want to connect with you. That that's great. That's the whole point. And sometimes you need something that jumpstarts things. Uh, and if it goes another direction, fine. That's fantastic. If the point is communing, is connecting with one another, and maybe to to treat prayer, especially the the Lord's prayer, in the same way. That there may be points at which this is the the, the centerpiece that then spurs off. You know, and while I'm at it, God, this has been on my mind. And and sometimes that's exactly what we need. And mm-hmm. that m- maybe. At one level, the critical thing, the really, really critical thing is to encourage that we be in conversation with God. And that that includes, as we've said before in our conversation about prayer in general, both the speaking and the listening. Mm-hmm. And not expecting necessarily that the clouds apart and a booming voice or burning bush will appear. Uh, but the, the treating this like holy conversation, that there be at least the open space for silence for how God might speak. Uh, or how there might be two sides of this, rather than the monologue of a laundry list, God, do this, 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 goodbye, mm-hmm. I'm going to go now. Yeah, because that's not what this is. It's not a mon- It's not just a to-do list. I mean, right. these are, each phrase, each part of this prayer is not just another thing to check off the, the yeah. laundry list or your wish list that you want for God. These are things that um, that very, very well may spur other ideas. Yeah. yeah. Um, but also, clearly, because these are the words of Jesus, these are things that he knows that we need yeah. to be asking for yeah. regularly. And even that the act of praying does something that reorients us and changes our setting, our mm-hmm. mindset. I mean, sometimes we approach prayer like it's only about how do I get God to change? God wasn't healing this sick person. How do I get God to change? And we forget that part of God's genius, uh, I want to say, is... That God is constantly about reshaping, uh, you know, like like uh, a woodworker with sandpaper is constantly sanding down mm-hmm. and shaving down um, us ourselves. We we tend to imagine we're full baked, final. You know, I, I'm I'm all done. I'm fine. God, you would you take care of so and so and so and so and so and so? Would you fix that? And they're a real jerk. And instead, to realize God is constantly honing us and changing and shaping us as well. And part of that is the constant reorientation. Um, back into the right mindset to how we relate to God. Mm-hmm. Because uh, as we get into the opening words of the prayer too, the, the, the way we picture our relationship with God does a whole lot to set the table for the, yeah. the rest mm-hmm. of, of how we live out our lives as well. It makes a difference how, how we conceive of who this God is um, 
and part of what Jesus is up to in patterning this particular way, this particular perspective mm-hmm. is to shape how we see and how we think of God. And it, maybe it's important to say, Jesus has an agenda. Uh, Jesus intends to shape us to think and to believe and to see the world and to see God in a certain way. Uh, and that there, there's, there's no perspective-free way of praying. Mm-hmm. And so, Steve, I think that gets us into those first words. And mm-hmm. a few minutes ago you said how... Um, some of the parts of the, of the Lord's Prayer we can trace back throughout the whole Old yeah. Testament. But these first couple words, Our Father, are something that are, are very distinctive in New <clears throat> Testament thought and theology. It's a very distinctive way that Jesus looks at God that, that differs often from how the Old Testament viewed him. Yeah, or maybe we could say the Old Testament and the, the, the Hebrew Scriptures have a multiplicity of ways of talking about God, and talking about God as parent is one of them, but not the, maybe not the dominant soul yeah. way that, that uh, Israel talks about God. There tends to be much more royal language, much more God as king of the universe, mm-hmm. or God as the, um, the, the, the covenant partner, or something like that. Um, it, it is, for truth and advertising purposes, worth noting, there are places at which God is invoked as the parent in particular of the nation of Israel. So like Hosea yeah. the prophet will say, you know, when Israel was a child, uh, I, I loved him and out of Egypt I called my son. And there's mm-hmm. this image of God as the loving, almost prodigal parent to this wayward child who keeps wandering off. Um, but that's sort of a, a maybe an undercurrent or a minor mm-hmm. theme that Jesus brings to the fore um, and, and puts a particular spin on, too, because Jesus, while the, the word Father is, is there in the Greek of the original uh, uh, Matthew and Luke's Gospel when the Lord's Prayer begins, you also get in um, Jesus' words in the Gospels and then in later New Testament writings uh, a particular Aramaic word to talk about God as Father, and it's, it's got a, a definitely more familial, a less formal kind of a feel. It's, it's that Hebrew word Abba. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, you know, in the Lord's Prayer, often it's translated as Father, mm-hmm. which is very, it's a formal kind of... In English, it's that, not a, being formal. Yeah. That's a very formal uh, way of saying it, but the intent, at least the way I've been taught, the intent behind Abba is not that kind of formal sense mm-hmm. of Father, but more that very personal um, kind of toddler talk of daddy yeah yeah and it, it's got that feel whether uh whether you translate it uh daddy or papa but there's this feel of uh i mean even even the the structure of the word el- uh, language specialists say you know it's it's suggestive of baby talk you know the way that daddy yeah. has that sort of like you know repetition of the same sound that that yeah, early mm-hmm. early human speech that, that young young minds can say the same syllable of dada mm-hmm. papa that and that abba has that same feel to it um that does suggest Certainly intimacy, and certainly uh, this is different than um, the grown child and an estranged parent, you know, who haven't seen each other for decades, you know, mm-hmm. going to visit the old man kind of a thing. But there's this, uh, an intimacy and a closeness there, um, and maybe also suggests the way that for young children, their parents are invincible. You know, yeah. for young children, there's the, you provide all my needs, mm-hmm. and this is different than... The way uh, uh, a teenager says, Dad, you know, that sort of <laughs> shrug and a sneer, um, that that's all suggested. And even if the word Abba isn't there in the, the original of uh, the Lord's Prayer, the rest of what we have from Jesus suggests that's the lens through which to hear this, this approach toward God, right? And it's not just, you know, the child's love for a parent, but it's that, you know, that unconditional love of the right. parent for a child. Right. 
which, you know, some, some people, and I think we've talked about this before, Steve, where some people have an issue with using father language for mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, as they've grown up, they, they've been without a father. They've had, you know, not a great father. Or, yeah. You know, there's so many circumstances that have between, sure, sure. between parents and children, um, both fathers and mothers. Yeah. And so some people have some hard times with that kind of language and saying, calling God father. Cause they're like, well, I had a really crappy father here on right. earth. Right. You know, how can right. God be my father? But the beauty of, of these beginning words and saying our father, our Abba, our daddy, um, it shows not just only our love for God, but mm-hmm. also his unconditional love for us. Sure. Sure. And maybe it's worth saying too, again, this is to, uh, bring up something that you and I have had conversations about in previous episodes that lifelong Crazy Faith Talk uh, listeners will know. <laughs> um, but it's important maybe to say what isn't meant in calling God Father isn't to say a deification of the Y chromosome. This isn't to say that yeah. God is... Oh, gosh, and, yeah. and, and again, I, I can get that hang-up. I can mm-hmm. get that sort of a... Because in centuries of religious artwork or in you know, centuries of ways mm-hmm. of thinking and talking about God, it ends up sounding like uh, yeah, God is a male body somewhere. There's a beard involved. There's long white hair, just like you know, uh, the, in, in the painting of the Sistine Chapel. That's exactly mm-hmm. how Michelangelo depicted. Is exactly how God is, um, and that can end up making it sound like we believe that uh, people with Y chromosomes are more like God, and people with X chromosomes only are not. And no, I mean that the scriptures, like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, from you know, we're talking Genesis one, or like in the image of God, He created them, male and female, He created them. That there's this humanity is somehow imago dei in the Latin image of God, and it's not to say, well, you get the best, clearest picture in, in people with beards, and then people with no beards, they're not quite no, 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 a thousand times no. Yeah. That whatever it is to call on God as Father is not meant to be um, a, a divinization of the Y chromosome, mm-hmm. um, and that if we're in contexts or in situations where that needs to be said out loud, fine, let's say it out loud, so that the whatever is good and important about that language of God being like Abba, Papa, Father, um, can be held on to, and to recognize that maybe all human speech has a level of metaphor to it, and certainly this kind of title, this is an attempt to try and describe the uh, omnipotent, omnipresent, unknowable, mysterious creator of the universe in the one word, yeah, any metaphor you're going to get is going to... At some point, there's limitations Mm -hmm. to any language. Um, Otherwise, we'd be sitting around all day trying to modify the father, but he's kind of like a father, but he's also like the king. He's often like, no, father's where we're starting. That sets the tone. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's the the right way to to tackle this in the prayer, too. To say, Jesus seems to be setting a particular perspective, a lens through which all the rest of these words are meant to be understood. Um... And that, because there is later language about God being like a, a king, like like a, a, a ruler, that you know, your kingdom come implies a God as rightful ruler over all the, the universe. That's a right way to talk. But it's interesting, maybe, that that is seen through the lens of this one who is our Abba, who is our, mm-hmm. our Papa, who is our Daddy. And that, that becomes sort of the controlling lens through which everything else gets seen. So, you just said... Our Papa, our Daddy, our Abba. Mm-hmm. Why are Steve yeah. rather than like my? Because so often when we look at at least in the Western culture, you know, in in modern Western culture, we our faith is something between myself and God. Yeah, it, yeah. it's me and God. Us as pastors, it gets a little funky because we have to involve other people. Right. But you know, for most people, it's very much 
what what me and God do in our own, you know, at, at home and between the two of us, that's our relationship. So why why our father yeah. versus my father? Yeah. And, and I, I think you already begun to hit on it there that the the temptation, or at least maybe why in this moment in our context in 21st century America, it's important for us to underscore it's our everybody, it's in the plural, is because we live in a time and a place where it is so tempting to make everything individualized, mm-hmm. so hyper individualized that all that matters is me and Jesus. And there becomes this disconnect between that God relates to this collective, this communal. And and uh, that's an important piece. It's, it's worth not skipping out or mm-hmm. even dodging it and just saying, Father in heaven. No, the hour, the, the plural is important. Um, that forces me from the beginning to recognize um, that I am not God's only child. And that's a difficult thing for us sometimes because... Mm-hmm. Prayer, like any conversation, can be potentially very close, very intimate, very you know personal, very you know divulging. Here's all the stuff going on in my heart, God. Um, but there's this reminder that as I pray and bring my needs, God is also attentive to the needs of other people around mm-hmm. me. And I will confess about myself, my wiring is probably to be rather uh, self-centered and selfish, and that I'm not great on my own without thinking about it of bringing the needs of others or how others will react. So, again, that puts in context, too. As I bring my needs to God, God is not only catering to me. God is not the you know the, the voice on the other side of the speaker at the drive-thru saying, I'm here to take your order and you're alone. Um, but my requests also relate to the needs of other people as well. So if my wish to God is, God, you know what I'd like? I'd like a super giant house and I'd like all this money and all this. And God's, you know, part of the, the other side of the transaction or the conversation is, you know, I'm taking care of other people here too. It's not that there's limited supply out here, but, you know, no, you're not allowed to take over somebody else's yard because you want to have a football field. No, no. Um, and that R is important in that regard. It reminds me there is a horizontal dimension to how I'm connected to other people, uh-huh. even in this very intimate act uh, of, of prayer that we sort of picture as the vertical me and God kind of thing. And as I think through the rest of the prayer, Steve, as, as you were talking you know, again, it comes up our daily bread, forgive us our sins. But every, every petition in this prayer is a plural petition. And it's not just because Jesus says it's plural, but really because it needs to involve people outside of just me and God. Yeah. And I never thought about this before uh, until you just said this, but, um, that means too, when not to get, have ourselves when we get that praying for forgiveness or praying for daily bread, but part of what it will mean is that I'm asking for God to feed and forgive other people as well and not just me. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the temptation is, everybody, you order your own food. You pray for your own stuff. You ask for your own forgiveness. Um, but part of what Jesus is training us, training our hearts to do from the beginning, mm-hmm. is to say other people matter. And so it's not just, dear God, forgive me for that rotten thing I said. But there's somebody else. And maybe I don't really want to forgive them. And maybe I'm not ready yet. Or maybe I'm struggling with actually living and forgiving them. But I'm praying, God, forgive that other person. Whether they've wronged me or not. Maybe you know, forgive that other person who did something to somebody else. I'm praying for mercy for other mm-hmm. people as well. Um, and that's a, and, and as well as, dear God, take care of the needs of other people as well. It is so tempting for us to be tribal in our prayer life or just me and my house or just me and my town or just me and my community and and to pray and to mean our Father is to acknowledge um, a connection with other people whose lives and whose circumstances are very different and to say you can't pray the Lord's Prayer and not also have in mind that there are uh, people in 
Bangladesh for whom I am praying at the same time. Mm -hmm. There are people in Democratic Republic of Congo for whom I am praying. There are people in Russia and Ukraine and Poland and Australia and people in some weather station in Antarctica. There's, there's something broad about that that um, I'm not off the hook just to be looking just for my needs. But then the beauty of that, Steve, is not just that I'm praying for those people, but then those people are also right, praying for me. Right, right, right. You know, like you said earlier, um, this is one of those few things that across the, the Christian board, Yeah. I mean, east, west, um, across divides and, and um, schisms and mergers yeah. that have happened over thousands of years that have created the Christian church that it is today, which is all kinds of craziness. Yeah. This is something that unifies us. So yeah. not only uh, and when I'm praying, I'm, I'm praying for all those people that right. you just mentioned, and then some. Yeah. But then when they're praying, they're praying for me. Yeah, yeah. And and that when we say that the Lord's Prayer is one thing we have in common, we don't just mean we all recite the same words, but that exactly as you say, that means that all the time, at any given moment, there are other people who have never met me and won't meet me this side of glory, uh, who, whether they know it or not, are invoking God's power and presence to provide for and to forgive me, mm-hmm. as well as that there are people I won't meet this side of glory uh, for whom I am praying without being aware of their names or faces or stories. So again, that's not to say never pray for particular people in in, in you know in, with particular needs in mind. Yeah, that's that's we had that conversation. Yes. You could say, mm-hmm. but that right from the get go, Jesus is doing something really, really maybe radical and subversive, at least for the culture we live in, which tends mm-hmm. to be. Everybody order your own stuff. You're on your own. It's sort of you and God. You take care of your own stuff. And everybody's sort of on their own. If you didn't pray for it, you're not going to get it because nobody else is looking out for you. It, and no, from the beginning, Jesus undoes all that thinking with just the plural, our Father, our Abba, uh, which forces me to see other people relate to God as Father too. Mm-hmm. And it's not just me or the people right around me. And then also, Steve, we've talked about how in our general conversations around prayer, um, that Jesus is always interceding on our behalf. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So not only when I pray the Lord's Prayer, am I praying for every other Christian in the world, and when they're praying, they're praying for me and every other Christian in the world. Oh wait, the Son of God, yeah, you know, is praying these same things for yeah, us. Yeah, and and maybe even to go one step further, I I think, and this this may get into our conversation about what it means to pray for God's kingdom or God's reign. Um, on earth as it is in heaven. That there's something even more expansive than just the family that is church. I mean, in mm-hmm. a sense, it is to pray for all of what is God's reign and God's territory. And uh, if, if you ask me what is God's territory or God's jurisdiction or the, the boundaries of God's uh, rule or rightful administration, it's the whole cosmos, which includes mm-hmm. people who don't name the name of Jesus. I mean, there's a sense in which this is universal in the sense of I'm praying for God's provision and care for people who go to church, which is a big enough, I mean, Mm -hmm. the the, the Christian family is big enough to begin with, but also there's this vast God you reign over all of creation, um, and that all of the earth, the scriptures say, you know, God's dominion and the earth is, you know, heaven is God's reign and the earth is his footstool. There's that sense of universality that Mm -hmm. even as Israel prayed it, you know, in the Psalms, there's that notion of God is Lord over all the nations as well. I mean, that's a, that's a big idea, um, that is maybe worth some further exploring. But yet, this is a big, big notion here. So you're saying that when I pray the Lord's Prayer and I'm asking forgiveness for myself and for others, I'm asking forgiveness not just for my own brothers and sisters in Christ, but for all people, including my enemies? Well, right. And see, like, in my mind, like, this is part of why 
uh, it, when, when you read the words of, of what we call the Lord's Prayer in their context, in particular in, in Matthew, it's part of this larger unit we call the Sermon on the Mount, mm-hmm. which includes things like loving your enemies and praying for those who persecute mm-hmm. you. So Jesus isn't just saying, these are only words for in-house people, we only pray for people who are like us, who go to church like us, people who are on our side, our nationality, our language, but no, there's this very, very intentional um, concern to bring to God the needs of other people who are not like us or do not like us <laughs> or that we don't like. Um, and that you can't get away from that if we take Jesus' words um, in their setting, in their context, in the gospel. So maybe a whole other piece for us to talk about here at the outset, here as we go well past a half an hour of conversation, and we've just gotten into our Father here. Um, but that to, when, like we said at the beginning, when Jesus says pray in this way, that, that fits in the broader context of, of, in the whole spirit of prayer is between you and God, but it also brings into uh, the picture everybody else who's a part of God's world and mm-hmm. God's reign. Um, and so to pray the Lord's Prayer doesn't just mean to use these words or even to use this pattern, but to pray like a jerk with that pattern. Because it's possible to be a selfish jerk with that same pattern too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also with a particular mindset of I pray and I bring to God uh, not only my needs and the needs of people around me who are like me and the people far away who are like me in some other way, but also my enemies and the people who are persecuting me and the people who I don't like and the people who don't like me. That's expansive. And Mm -hmm. at least I I think, uh, this will have to be filtered out through further conversation, but I think part of praying the Lord's Prayer rightly, uh, whether you view it as a a script or a, a, a template or both at the same time, means all that mindset is a part of it too. And that uh, to, to recite the words, even word for word, but to have that sort of jerky, self-centered attitude of, and I'm, I'm praising you, God, so I'll get points, and I'm praying, would you take care of my daily bread, but nobody else's, because they're rotten stinkers, that violates the spirit of what Jesus teaches us to do anyhow, too. Mm-hmm. Well, my mind's a little bit blown, Stan. <laughs> And I'm, I'm really excited to see where this conversation goes. Yeah, we're only two words in. Yeah, goodness. we're two words right, in out of 50 to 60 words, depending on your translation. So, <laughs> so uh, I, I hope that you'll join us for further conversations. Uh, but this is where we're going to be headed, at least for a while. And for folks who are unfamiliar with these words called the Lord's Prayer, join us for uh, an introduction to something that's sort of foundational mm-hmm. to uh, Christian practice and thought. And for folks who've heard these words so many times they stop having any meaning, maybe hear them again in our conversation uh, with new ears. I hope you can join us next time. See you guys. <laughs>